Blog Talk Radio. Excuse me, uh, yes sir, I understand, but do you actually have the word yes in your vocabulary? I couldn't do it, I did Always had a stubborn streak Put a wall in front of me And I'll find a way to get around it There was a friend who said I'd never make the team A lot of small town talkers said I'd never leave Oh, and you know who you are You all played a part In pushing me on to my dream it up and get back home It kept me going Knowing I would prove them wrong Yeah, I knew it all along Without a mind of giving up a long time ago And so I want to thank everyone Who ever told me Behind the desk He said, sorry what you got I just don't get Oh, but here I am today Standing on this stage And I wonder even now If he gets it, yeah I want to thank everyone Who ever told me no Pack it up and get back home It kept me going Knowing I would prove them wrong everyone that told me no over the years that told me I couldn't do the things that I have done because apparently I have done them. This show was a five-year dream, and because of all of y'all, this show has exceeded 
everything that I had every any expectation of. Just on the show alone, ladies and gentlemen, we are at 94,422 listeners. We are 5,578 listeners away from 100,000 listeners just on this show. When we add all the podcasts, we are almost to 128,000 listeners. I, it, it gets mind-boggling when I when I try to put all the numbers together because we're heard on places that I don't even put us up on. Other people do now. I do know that we're heard on iTunes and YouTube and Spreaker and SoundCloud and MixCloud and Podcast.com and Podcast Garden, FM.com, TuneIn Radio, and the newest place that we're heard under Southern Chats with Yvonne Mason is iTunes Radio. I mean, iHeart Radio. Been trying to get on there for a long, long time, and we're finally there. We're on iHeart Radio, which is absolutely the cream of the crop. So thank all of y'all. Y'all have made this happen. And if you want to get on the show, you can re- you can do it two ways. If you're kind of shy about spending an hour with me, and those that have been on this show and continue to come back will tell you it's it's a lot of fun. The hour flies by fast. They forget they're on the radio because we just chat. But if you are want to come on the show, reach out to me at offthechainradio at yahoo.com. Now, because we are heard in over 100 countries, we also do ads. We have sponsors for the radio show. So if you want to put an ad on the radio, contact me at offthechainradio at yahoo.com and let me know. If you're a friend of mine on Facebook, send me a private message or throw me something in my in my on my page, and I'll tell you how to do that too. That being said, we do have a corporate sponsor, and her name is Cece Chamberlain, and she has a podcast called Inside Your Life with Cece on Podcast.com. Her podcast is a motivational, passionate conversation. She interviews people who are living their true purpose, whether it be a professional boxer, an author, or even a history enthusiast. Cece strives to give a person hope for a brighter day with her inspirational words. So download, subscribe, and listen as she guides you to pursue your dreams and for you to live your best life. She is also heard on iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere that podcasts are available. So... Check her out. It's called Inside Your Life with Cece. And that being said, we have three other sponsors that we welcome tonight. Um, the Andy Thought Ladies, and we'll play their ad a little bit later on in the show. Author Nancy Quinn will play her ad a little bit later in the show. And author Gary Starter, and we will be playing his ad a little bit later on in the show. So welcome to our four sponsors to this show. You all are helping make this show even better than it is. Tonight's guest is one who has been on the show before. She is an author. She is a woman after my own heart because she writes dark romance, and y'all know that I like all things dark. Her name is Jane Jordan. She was born in Essex, England, and she grew up exploring the history and culture of London and the surrounding counties. In the 1990s, she migrated to Detroit, eventually settling in southwest Florida. Jane returned to England after a 15-year absence to spend six years in the southwest of England, living on Exmoor. Here, inspired by the atmosphere and the beautiful scenery and the ancient history of the place, she began writing. Jane writes in the dark romance genre. She has four published novels, and she also writes short stories. And being a trained horticulturist, she writes for a Florida gardening magazine. She returned to Florida in 2013 and lives over in Sarasota. Jane, thank you so much for coming back on the show. We had so much fun the last time we ran out of time. That's right, Yvonne, we did, and thanks for inviting me back again. I'm just listening to your statistics. They are amazing. I cannot believe that this show is doing so Well, I can believe it because you are such a gracious host to chat to, but I can also confirm that the hour does just fly by. I mean, I know we ran out of 
things to talk we we didn't run out of things to talk about we just ran out of time ran last time we so. did because we were just getting started with 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 all we were. Of and now we even have more to talk about because i went I, on another deep dive and found out some more interesting things that you do and write about and in the new book you've got coming out and the old books we didn't even get to talk about I'm wondering, maybe I shouldn't go to a two-hour show sometimes because we either that or we just keep bringing you back because we never run out of good stuff to talk about. You are but regular on this show me. now. <laughs> that sounds good to me, Yvonne. <laughs> so let's let's play catch up for okay. the for for the listeners. Oh, and and one of the countries that that listens to us now on a regular basis is your home country, England. Oh, really? Oh, yes. Wow. England, Wales, Scotland, and Ireland. So you're being heard in your home country. Well, that's always good to know. I thought you would appreciate that. I do, so, definitely. Isn't it marvelous? It is. You know, it's, it's just great. Um, so, so social media and, you know, technologies that we can be heard around the world is just amazing to me. And to get exposure that you might not get any other way. Sure, people can go on Amazon and they can look up your books and they can look up your bios, but to be able to hear your voice and and hear the inflections and the excitement and and get to know who Jane Jordan is, it just it blows the mind. Absolutely, I I definitely think it adds a personal touch to hear somebody speak and. You, you get more from um, listening to a voice and, like you say, the inflections of what, what gets them excited or um, enthusiastic or passionate about something. Yeah, because we are the brand, what we sell and make, and, and our product is not. It's, it's us people want to know about. Absolutely, so, yes. Well, I hope they want to know about my books. Of course they do, especially <laughs> because you write them in places like um, – Exmoor and and Dartmoor and in places that most of us just dream about and and the people that live there can say oh yeah I know that place she of nailed course, it yeah yeah I always like to um, use obviously real places and real you know um, draw on ex- real experiences I think it adds so much to um, to a story if you actually believe that the author. Um, knows what they're writing about. It's not just like looked it up online, but has actually been there and experienced something. You know, I think it just lends an authenticity to a novel. Oh, absolutely! Because you you lived in Exmoor for quite a while while you were uh, researching six, yeah, that. Yeah, six years. That's a long time to live in one spot. To, to it, it was actually. <laughs> <laughs> it was. I sort of fell in love with Exmoor. Um, I I'd lived in America for 15 years, and I was sort of homesick because I'd, you know, I I just thought I I'm English. I need to go back. But I think when I went back, um, I lived in the most amazing place. I mean, Exmoor just is this enchanting place. But what I hadn't bargained on was after 15 years in the States, I was really Americanized. um, And it wasn't, and I suddenly felt a foreigner in in my native country, which was very strange to me. But when I actually look back on it, I think, well, I'd really spent most of my adult life in America. And I was going back on a memory, if you like, a memory of a, of a life and um, everyone I'd known. And, of course, after 15 years, everyone you've known has moved on and things are never the same. You know, the grass is always greener is uh-huh. so true. And so, you know, after six years, I, re- I realized, um, you know, America was actually where home was and that was part of the reason for coming back. And I've always loved Sarasota, and, you know, we, we lived in Florida before. We didn't live in Sarasota, but I wanted to come back to Sarasota, and, and that's where we came back, and best decision, you know, definitely a good decision. And and I think your heart was here, too, by that time. Yes, it was. 
um, definitely. I mean, my my children were born um, in Michigan, but they obviously they're sort of American. And I think it was my son who said when we were still living in England, "Oh, I want to go back to America." And I thought, "Oh my goodness, if I don't go back, what what will happen? Will my son grow up and go to America, and I'll never see him again?" So, I think that was the all the all the inspiration I really needed to come back again. <laughs> Well, we are glad you're here, especially... Well, I'm glad to be here. You're just, you know, across the state from me. In fact, my girlfriend, who lives in Sarasota, is visiting me these past two weeks. So, and we go to Sarasota to go to meet. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, so you're, the next time you're in Sarasota, you're going to have to give me a call and we can go out to lunch or something. Absolutely. Get together. That would be, be so much That would be fantastic. Now, before we really get to talking, because I want to talk about the angel trumpets, because this is one of the things, okay. ladies and gentlemen, that Jane writes about in her gardening magazine, and I didn't know something about them, and we are going to teach y'all some things. So let's play this ad. It's author Anthony Quinn. We will be right back. Do you have cougars on your porch swing? Are horses your new best friend? Do your nicest shoes get buried knee-deep in snow as your toes turn blue? Are you bothered by wolves at your woodpile? No, not that kind of wolf. Join wildlife artist and author Nancy Quinn and her family as they discover an exciting new life in Go West, Young Woman, a true Montana adventure. Available online and in bookstores. Or... Visit QuinnWildlifeArt.com for a personalized signed copy. Critics agree, it's a hoot. That's author Anthony Quinn, I mean, Nancy Quinn, I'm sorry, I can't talk tonight. Author Nancy Quinn, Go West Young Woman. Check her out on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. We are back with author Jane Jordan, who is simply one of the most beautiful empowered women out there she she might be born in england but she is a florida native as far as i'm concerned because that's where her heart is and that's where she lives and i am so glad to have her back with me and we were discussing are getting ready to discuss the fact that jane writes for a florida gardening magazine and and what i found interesting was one of the articles she wrote about the angel trumpet tree, and they have the most beautiful flowers on them. But, Jane, tell the folks about this tree and the the interesting thing about it. Well, the, the Brugmansia, which is the actual um, botanical name, is also called the angel's trumpet. Um, they are, I mean, they are the most beautiful, stunning plants um, and they have these large, huge trumpets which hang down, so they look like these giant sort of um, trumpets, beautiful trumpets, and they come in all sorts of different colors, from pinks to yellows to whites. Um, they have a scent, um, but it's normally of a night that they are the most scented, and I believe it's the, I think it's the sphinx moth they attract. I can't... I, don't quote me on that. I can't remember it, but it is one of the moths. Um, the, but despite the fact that they're very beautiful, they have a sinister angle because they are actually poisonous um, as because they're part of the nightshade family. Um, but the other plant that is always confused with Brugmansia or angel's trumpet is actually Datura, which is a devil's trumpet. Now, the devil's trumpet actually doesn't hang down. Their flowers are these large trumpets, and they're no normally in darker colors, um, like deep purples. But they have highly hallucinogenic um, properties in their flowers, and people have been known to like put them under their pillow and, and do things that they shouldn't do with them, but they've actually um, induced death. They, they induce a coma if you're not careful. So they, they're very, very sinister. Beautiful, but sinister. That could be a title for your book. 
that it we, could be <laughs> at least a short story. <laughs> uh, yeah, that we were discussing before the show because, ladies and gentlemen, Jane and I both write dark, and when I I am working on a series of books that involves nightshade. One of my shifters can shift into nightshade. And when I read this article about the angels' trumpets, because they're all over Florida, and they're they're absolutely gorgeous. Now, the devil's trumpet, I did not know about. I did not, and it, it stands to reason they would be the darker colors. Absolutely. Um, I'm just trying to think. I mean, I had one a long time ago, and it was deep purple, but I think that... They do come in other colors. Um, I think you can get them in maybe purple and white, but you know I'm not 100% certain on that. But they they are definitely um, they're also called the devil's apple for some reason. I'm not really sure why that they have, they're given that name, but maybe it's just to do with the fact that they're so sinister <laughs> and they can cause you know can cause such a awful. Thing to happen, like induced coma or, or death, in in some extreme cases. And before the show, we were discussing the fact that the things that are most beautiful to us and have the sweetest smell can also be, and more times than not, are the most deadly. Oh, absolutely, yes. I mean, poisons come from, um, you know many different plants and that sort of thing so you know it's it's no um it's no coincidence that some of the world's most deadliest poisons come from just a plant that you could be you could have growing in your garden uh ricin for example comes from the um castor bean plant and that is one of the world's deadliest you know poisons out there so you've got to know what's what's growing in your garden <laughs> yes you do in fact, we That's were talking good. about the oleander, which is a gorgeous, gorgeous flowering bush. It is, but I do know some gardeners that, you know, some horticulturists that actually would never grow one because they are oleanders are extremely poisonous. I mean, all parts of the plant, and not only that, they attract the um, oleander caterpillar, which is a stinging caterpillar. Um, and of course, the caterpillar eats the plant, and so it gets uh, so the toxins go into the caterpillar, and the caterpillar becomes poisonous. And uh, I have a thing about caterpillars; I don't particularly like them anyway. So, uh, for me to have stinging caterpillars in my garden is just there's no there's no way I'm going there. So, so I wouldn't grow oleander, as beautiful yes. as they are. It's like no, definitely not. <laughs> Well, there, there's you some short stories to go into. You. Ladies and gentlemen, she's working on a short story collection, which I, for one, can't wait to read. So there's you some more fodder for your book. Absolutely. I mean, I have um, about five short stories so far, and I'm working on a couple of others that um, have just, you know, need need a few bits and pieces added to them and that. But the differences with this short story collection is um, each of the short stories is going to have a picture with it. And my daughter is an artist, and she's a, she's a fantastic artist. And so I've, I've sort of asked her for each story I write, I will give her basically the idea of what I want, and she is going to do the picture for me. And at the moment, she's done two, and she's, she believes she's working on the third one for me. So um, I just think, you know, it's going to add another dimension to my the book rather than just having, you know, just a collection of short stories. It's going to have a little bit of artwork as well for each of the stories. That is – to be able to do that and then to have your daughter involved, that's got to be a labor of love on both parts. Oh, absolutely, and you know, I'm sort of hoping it might attract some attention of, of the right publisher to publish it because I think, yeah, absolutely, it could be um, fantastic opportunity for both me and my daughter Charlotte, you know, sort of to get both of our work out there, as it were. Well, what she could do then is she could take the artwork that she did for your short stories, and she could do a gallery showing and name the artwork the title of the short story. Absolutely, she could do. 
That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, even if she did a small gallery showing at a, at a local library or a local community center, that, and you could do a book signing at the same. Oh, what y'all could do with that? I know that's what I'm thinking, and I thought this could actually go into in different directions. So that that is something um, definitely for the future. Um, right now, I am I have finished my fifth novel, Wished Hall. Um, I have it with a couple of agents because I would really like to get um, agent representation on this fifth book. So I'm just waiting on that, but I'm I'm eager to get that one published soon as well because and that's, that, that's also that... been a long labor of love to get this book to uh to the conclusion that's the one that takes place in dartmouth right dartmoor um at dartmoor yes uh, it it does um dartmoor is an area of moorland in southern devon england um and the moorland is has many exposed granite hilltops known as tors um, and, you know, I mean, I've been to Dartmoor, and it is just, it's very mysterious, and it's its sort of, it's got a darkness about it, and something about sinister about it, because it really does get blanketed in mists, and um, it is covered in what they call feather beds, which is like mires, um um, bogs and sort of quicksand and that sort of thing so obviously it has a very sinister connotation because people have died I mean animals get pulled down into the bogs and all that sort of thing and in fact Sherlock Holmes based his Hound of the Baskervilles on Dartmoor so I'm sure everyone's familiar with that story and how that whole atmosphere so for me it was just a magical place to write about um, and there are so many other things that go on on Dartmoor that I was intrigued to um, write, wanted to write about once I knew about them. And uh, one of them was I wanted to include letterboxing on Dartmoor, um, which is a, a phenomenon, I guess, that was started in, I think it was 1854, by a local guide who left a glass jar with a visiting book so people that came across it on the moor could put their calling cards or sign the book but I, I guess what he started as, as a, sort of a joke or something it became a craze and now in modern times there are literally hundreds of letterboxes left all over the moor and they have these like groups that go out letterboxing on the moor it's like it's this really odd sort of English thing to do. <laughs> so, oh my! You know, I know, I know. Yeah. And so, um, so sorry. Go ahead. Well, I'm just in my mind's eye. There is a village there at Dartmoor, right? The people do live within that little oh, area. Oh yeah. Um, there's several villages um, over the moor, um, and, and my. Um, my my story um, sort of takes place in a very real place on, on the moor. I mean, it's called Wished Hall, which is a grand house, um, and basically it's in a remote remote uh, part of the moor. And if you can imagine this big old grand house that is on this moor, and it's surrounded by great granite outcrops outcrops and dense mists and dangerous mires so it just gave me this whole um idea for this story um and also i wanted i think i told you before i wanted to transition to just writing about places in england to america and this is basically a multi-layered thriller which spans 20 years and it goes from dartmoor to New Orleans and, and sort of back again. So it Ooh. gave me um, such huge scope to work with, with those two amazing locations. And, and the fact that New Orleans has its own mystery, which we will discuss as soon as we play this ad on the Andy Thought Ladies. We'll be just right back, ladies and gentlemen. 
Invincible One and Winona, the lovable narcissist from the Women's Cave Podcast, inviting you to join us in person or streaming at the Inspirational Women in Literature Conference on March 17th. Get tickets to the conference, buy our books, or watch the TV show Just Right in Life at andwethought.com or thewomenscave.com. So peace and love from Winona and Jade. That is the Andy Thought, ladies, ladies, and gentlemen. And if you have not yet signed up for their seminar, you should because these women are fantastic. Check them out on Facebook. Look them up on the Internet, the Andy Thought Ladies. We are with our guest, author Jane Jordan, and she and I were discussing her new book that is set in Dartmoor, England, and it spans a 20-year time period And we were just discussing that Dartmoor has its own darkness. And not only that, but she weaves in another one of my favorite cities, the Big Easy. And and how in the world did you get those two combined? Because the Big Easy has its own darkness and sinister and and mysteries and ghosts and and things that go bump in the night. It certainly does. Um, well, I don't like to make things easy for myself, Yvonne. <laughs> I like to I like to give myself a challenge, you know. So yes, you're right. I when I had this idea, I was I was wondering to myself, how am I going to get this New Orleans in you know Louisiana and Dartmoor in the southwest of England? How am I going to make this story like work? But I think I did because um, it actually starts off in New Orleans and it starts off with um, my one of the, the characters, Marguerite, is searching for a connection to her Creole heritage and her fate is sort of sealed the moment she enters the house of Dambala. What, what in unfolds in this inconspicuous shop in the French Quarter, sort of sets in motion a chain of events that will affect her entire family. Um, And then it, it sort of goes to England, and it starts to tell the story of um, a 17-year-old, Amy, who has basically um, lost her father recently, and she's about to become the ward of her uncle, Henry, who lives at Wished Hall down on Dartmoor, and she's never been there. So she basically, she arrives at this remote place, and she meets her cousins, which are, her cousins are very different, um, and... Two of her cousins are identical twins, and it sort of weaves this whole sinister sort of thing um, throughout the story. And basically, she she feels that she's in, um, entered this bizarre wonderland where she hears sinister sounds coming from the moors. Dense mists cover the landscape, and everyone is telling her frightening legends of a nearby haunted wood. And she's barely settled into this life when she hears the screams when her uncle is attacked in the mist and a poison charm under her pillow sort of enforces her belief that she could be next. And so basically with one of the twins, she she boards a plane to New Orleans because that's where her aunt Marguerite is. And But it, it it's like this whole thriller because as far as she knows her mother is um has abandoned her when she was a child but that's not the case at all because her mother was actually in new orleans and was you know without giving too much away something sinister happened to her mother that amy knows nothing about um and of course once she's in the deep south she's drawn unwittingly into the world of voodoo and she's drawn into the blackwater swamp and this ruined house in the middle of the swamp so you know i i had so much material to draw on and to make this story work and and it did i mean you know i just thought wow this is sort of amazing it, it goes from one place to another and it goes back to dartmoor and back to new orleans and it, it sort of all just came together i mean it took me a while 
to make it gel but it it just worked in the end and I thought this is actually really um really different you know so and I hope well, when I finally get it published just um, hearing hope, you talk reading. about it has given me chill bumps oh really yeah <laughs> well that's good <laughs> I want to read that's it good. and get it published <laughs> Oh, I know, I know. I'm, you know, I want an agent to find find it. That's the trouble. And I, I have got it with a couple of agents. But you know, you know what literary agents like? They are just, they're not waiting for your book. They're just looking for any reason not to like it. So, yep. you know, may, maybe I just have to go back to my um, other publisher and just get it published. That's what I would do because I'm going to tell you, I know. after tonight's show, you're going to have people emailing you and messaging you and posting comments <laughs> on your Facebook page saying, when is this book coming out? I well, I have to buy, they have to buy my previous book, The Beekeeper's Daughter, first to, to whet their appetite for the new one that hasn't been published yet. <laughs> well, well, The Beekeeper's Daughter, ladies and gentlemen, is absolutely an amazing book. I read that book, oh, and you. it will draw you in. Tell the folks about that book because that book is, I couldn't put it down. Oh well, thank you. I'm, I'm, um, I'm well. <laughs> that is a really wonderful comment. Um, it is basically a historic uh, dark romance, and it tells the story of Annabelle Taylor, who is the beekeeper's daughter. Um, she basically has a um, a childhood friend. Um, the blacksmith's son, who they grew up as like these wild children out on the moors of um, Exmoor. And it tells the story of how they sort of grow up and how they've got this unshakable bond. And until, um, his name's Jevon, until he leaves for London and she believes that, you know, he's left her for good. But the other thing about Annabelle is that she's a bee charmer. She has this um, uncanny ability to charm bees. She's also the daughter of a witch, and of course she has to inherit her mother's powers, but she doesn't quite understand the power she has. Um, and then I throw into the mix um, Alex, who is the heir to a salt and stole legacy, um, who is the son of a wealthy landover and of the foreboding Gothelstone Manor, of course. There's got to be a mansion in it somewhere. Um, and basically, he's bewitched by, by Animal's beauty and she is forced into an impossible situation that, by Alex and she sort of saves her true love, Jevon, from the hangman's noose by marrying Alex but it is a marriage that should never have taken place um, it's basically causes a devastating love triangle and the one thing that um, that is shaping all of their lives is a person in the background who has really sinister intentions and uh, Annabelle has to basically use her powers to overcome this adversary. So it's um, it's quite dark. There's, a, there's witchcraft in it, but it's um, it's essentially a love story. I think. Um, would you say I've described it well enough? <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's a story about. There's an old adage that goes, oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. And you see the deception in that story. I, I think you do. I mean, it's um, it, it's full of twists and turns. And, I mean, it's the, the plot is complex. And so, it, you know, whenever anybody asks me to describe it, it's like, well, I can basically describe it, but it, there is so many different elements to it. It's hard to just put it in a, a couple of sentences, you know. It's um, a romance, it's a suspense, it's, it's a thriller. A suspense, it's a thriller, absolutely. It's witchcraft, um, it's, it's yep. deception. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Pretty <thing>. much life. <laughs> 
Absolutely. Well, you know, life isn't isn't straightforward. Life is full of twists and turns. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I mean, it's like you have to. I I think the question I posed my to myself is because of what she does, is she really evil? But she's not because I don't think she is. Because I think she she did what she did. She had to do at the end of the day, you know, um, to save the the one person she loved. And if other people got in the way, sort of thing, and and she got got rid of them. <laughs> so. And she and and it was also survival for her. Absolutely for her. And of course, you've got to uh, realize as well. I wanted it to be true to that time i mean it's written in victorian times where women didn't really have a say so i mean they women didn't divorce their husbands they they weren't allowed to and you know and i wanted it to ring really true from every historical fact and i guess that's why it took me a long time to research it because i i wanted it to be um historically accurate um and to make sure that you know everything i wrote was actually true you know that would have happened or that wouldn't have happened in in that that time i mean obviously i had to make her a little bit more headstrong and from maybe a woman of that age but i don't know i i've always thought you know i'm a very um strong woman and i think had i been born 150 years ago would i have been the person i am today well maybe not exactly as i am but i would have still been you know what i would have still been for what's right what you know women's rights and that sort I of thing i would have definitely would have been, been a suffragette <laughs> i would probably would have been burned at the stake or drowning yeah absolutely or... i would have been burned at the stake or i would have been a suffragette you know chaining yeah, myself because... to the railings somewhere <laughs> I, I just don't march to that drummer. I, I, no, absolutely not. Not, not, not in my wheelhouse at all. But the ladies and gentlemen, no, y'all can't go now. You got to wait till after this show is over. Get the Beekeeper's Daughter and read it because you also have Raven's Deep, Blood and Ashes, and a memoir of Carl out, right? I do. They were my first three books I wrote. They are um, a. Uh, a modern love story um, mixed with a vampire superstition sort of thing. Um, And that was set on mainly Exmoor. Um, A memoir of Kyle starts off in Scotland and then moves to London. But it's all entwined. Um, But um, Raven's Deep came about from staying in an old house on Exmoor that was haunted. And that one week I stayed in that house uh, just inspired me so much, and a trilogy was born out of it. And along came a vampire as well. So <laughs> so that was, uh, that was how that came about. <laughs> well, let's do our last ad, ladies and gentlemen. The Killing Collective by author Gary Starter, and then we will be right back with our guest, author Jane Jordan, because I have more questions for her. Inquiring minds always want to know. Former Boston PD Captain Stanford Carter and his wife, forensic scientist Jill Seacrest, have decided to move to the Big Apple to accept positions with the New York branch of the FBI. Rookie agent Shania Deeprose completes the trinity as they collide head-on with raging and rampant social, political, and economic unrest amid a string of murders that seem unrelated and may be serial, copycat, thrill, or hate-driven as they struggle to understand the mind and thought process of the orchestrators, killers, and victims, the team begins to wonder who's who. The line between black and white, superior and subordinate, right and wrong, and good and evil disappears as they are forced to reevaluate their own thoughts, feelings, and philosophies. Ultimately, every character must come to their own conclusions to these questions. Is justice ever more important than the law? Is playing God justifiable if it's for the greater good of all? Come along for the ride to see if Agent Carter will decide to stick to being a hunter or become judge, jury, and 
executioner instead. Find the answers to these questions when you read the new book, The Killing Collective. The Killing Collective is a character-driven story with big characters with depth. They're soul-searching in addition to the biggest case of the agent's careers. The Killing Collective, available on Amazon in both Kindle and paperback editions. Order your copy today. That is The Killing Collective by author Gary Starter at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. We are back with our guest, author Jane Jordan, and we're discussing the first three books that she wrote that I don't think you really planned on doing a trilogy when you started that journey, did you? Oh, definitely not. When I wrote Raven's Deep, it was going to be a standalone novel, but I think as I got more and more into it, I mean, it never started off being about vampires either. It started off as a ghost story, and the more I wrote, the more I thought, you know, the whole place, um, the house, um, the mysterious church in the woods, the the graveyard that had been like hidden and forgotten about. It just felt more sinister and I thought I need it's all too benign. A ghost is just too benign. Even though there is a ghost in the story, I wanted something a bit more sinister and, and this was before vampires be, became huge, you know, this was before no one had um sort of thought about vampires for a decade or so. And so for me, the vamp- my vampire was very had to be very realistic. It had to be okay. I want my readers to believe that if a vampire existed, that it would how would they exist? How would they really exist in the modern world where there's cameras everywhere and and you can't just go around killing people and leaving corpses? You know, maybe you could do that in Victorian times, but you can't do it in this day and age. So I wanted it to be intelligent, and um, Exmoor, I thought, was a great place. And, of course, my vampire actually goes between London and Exmoor, um, where his family home is. And I thought, well, London is just this fantastic city, and it's got so many old elements to London, even today. And in um, Raven's Deep, it just... just, you know, as I wrote and wrote, I thought, wow, there's just so much more story here than I'm getting to the end of this book and I know where it's going to end, but I, but it can't end because there's there's this whole other story. And so before I even finished Raven's Deep, I had in my mind what the next book was going to be and what it was going to be about. And I moved from Exmoor, um, although I do visit it in Blood and Ashes a couple of times, um, to... London and as I researched London and I knew from my own when I was younger I worked in London and I used to travel the underground I knew that the that the underground that people actually travel on is actually a very small part of the real London underground and so with that in mind I started researching it and of course the London underground was um, is vast I mean it has ghost stations where trains don't run anymore and it has deep level shelters that were used in wartime and it has war cabinet rooms where I think the Prime Minister had all secret papers and documents but it's vast, it's, you know, like there's there's multi-layers to the underground and I thought to myself, wow, this is a fantastic place for a vampire to, you know, dwell. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, so, and so that's where... Um, that's where that sort of book went, and and of course I'm telling a story all the way through. And then in my third book, um, it starts off with um, in Scotland in Stirling, basically around Stirling Castle, which um, I visited as a child. And I basically, from what I remember, and I've got Scottish cousins and what they've told me, and you know, I, I could sort of picture in my mind what I wanted to write about. And my father was Scottish, so I remember the stories he told me and, you know, of the the Green Lady, um, the famous Green Lady of Stirling Castle. And so I wanted to incorporate all that into my third book. I also wanted to write about um, a ballerina. And I thought, you know, a vampire and a ballerina, this is just 
a, a fantastic opportunity. So I did. It's essentially it's a love story. Um, the whole trilogy is a love story between my two main characters. But in the third book, I go into two other characters, and um, and it's. I think the greatest compliment to me in, with my third book is that so many people that read it said to me, you made me cry with that one chapter. And I thought, wow, if I can make people literally cry, then I'm, uh, I'm obviously doing something right because it, there was one particular chapter that is really emotional. And when I wrote it, I actually was crying and I'm thinking to myself, oh my goodness, you know, why am I crying? But it was such an emotional chapter to write. And then later when people read the book, they actually had that same reaction. I thought I did something absolutely right there, you know, because it really moved people. So let me ask you this. Is that the end of, of those characters or will you revisit the new characters at a later date? I'd, I, you know, I've been asked that before. I'm not sure. I'm really not sure because I sort of brought it to a a grey end, and I think, and people said to me that was the perfect ending for that trilogy. But they were fantastic characters, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know yet. But okay. I, I'm not. I'm not really sure right now. I would say I'm too um, focused on other things. But who knows? Well, I'm I'm going to tell you if if you don't hurry up. And Former get Boston PD up, Captain Stanford Carter and his wife, forensic scientist. will fix that. If if you don't hurry up and get that that book you just finished written, you're going to drive me crazy because. Oh, I know. <laughs> it's in my head now. I, know. <laughs> I, I will have to do it. I'm I'm determined to do it this year. What we will do it. Because um, you've got to come back on, because I know you've got the short stories are going on, but I know that you've got new books dancing around in your head. I have actually started work on a sixth um, book, um, but it's in the very early stages. Um, I went to St. Augustine a couple of years ago, and I stayed in this historic B&B, and it just gave me um, some really interesting ideas and I thought mm, this this is definitely a story in the making here so um so I've I've got another book in the works because right Saint now Augustine. I have St Augustine I, is right. another one of those cities I know definitely <laughs> I right now I've got um several assignments for Florida Gardening magazine that they've given me so I'm I'm sort of working on that I'm trying to work on my short story book um, together with my daughter. So, and I'm trying to fit another novel in in between that. So, um, and and get Wished Hall published as well. <laughs> well, you got to hurry up and get Wished Hall published. That's just I will. Awkward. I will. I if, will. If you don't hear from your agents, just go back to your old publisher. So, because I'm gonna tell you, you're gonna get some some people saying, "When is it coming out? When is it?" And you're gonna get tired of hearing, "When is it coming out?" And you're gonna, know, "Okay, fine, it's coming out." <laughs> Absolutely, I, that is my goal for this year to get that one published. Because we whetted their appeties now. Absolutely, you know I hope so. <laughs> you know how people are, and and. You are not going to believe this. Yes, you do, because you've been on the show before, and you know how fast the hour goes by. It I mean, does. It, it just flies by. It just, we're here for five minutes, and it's its an hour, and you're going, what happened? I know, so definitely. Give the folks the names of all the books that you've written so that they can go when the show ends and start ordering them and look forward to Wish Tall and tell everybody where you can be found so they can keep up with you and the fact that, yes, ladies and gentlemen, she's got a new novel coming out. She's got a book of short stories she's putting out with her daughter doing the illustrations. She also writes for Florida Magazine, Florida right? Gardening Magazine. Florida yeah, Gardening Florida Magazine. Magazine. Can they get that online if they want to? Um, I They do post certain things online but um mainly it's like the mag magazine um i think you have to subscribe to florida gardening magazine and then they send you certain articles i think that's how it works or you can just buy the magazine 
Okay, so there you go. So tell the folks where you can be found. Tell the folks the name of your books. And when the show ends, they can go start buying them because I know I am because I haven't read the first three. I read The Beekeeper's Daughter, but I haven't read the first three. You have to read the first three now. Absolutely. (laughs) Okay, so my first three books were Raven's Deep, Blood and Ashes, and A Memoir of Carl, and they were a, a trilogy. Um, my fourth book was a standalone book. It was a historic no- historical novel, and it was called The Beekeeper's Daughter. Um, I have a website. It's janejordannovelist.com. I'm also on Twitter. Um, I guess Twitter is at janejordan1. And I'm also on Facebook. Um, that is facebook.com slash Jane dot Jordan dot seven one four six five, and all of my books are on Amazon. And y'all get the Florida Gardening Magazine because there's so and much you must get the Florida Gardening Magazine, yes, especially so if you live so in Florida. <laughs> and will I know you'll come back, right? Oh, definitely. Yes, it's been it's been great fun. See, she. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Jane is now a regular on the show, so we can keep up with her. I know she's going to get a following. It always happens. So she's agreed to come back. We'll bring her back in the fall. Until then, though, tomorrow night at 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, country music artist Garrett Walker will be with us again, and he sent me three more songs, and I guarantee you the opening song will have you in tears. It is an absolutely beautiful, beautiful song. And then on Saturday night, we have, um, I'm sorry, Garrett will be on Saturday night. Tomorrow night is author Marty Roplett. He will be joining us at 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. And then Saturday night, Garrett Walker will be joining us. Yes, my days and nights are confused. I'll be so glad when my husband's radiation is done so I don't have to leave the house every day and I can concentrate on what I need to do. But just say lots of prayers for him. Now, y'all all know that at the end of the show, there are several things that I say because I believe in them. And I believe that we are only as successful as we help others to be. And and that's what this show is about, is helping other artists become more successful than they already are. Every one of my guests and every one of my listeners is very important to me. Yeah, I'm kind of selfish like that. Y'all have helped me grow in ways that you will never know, and you have educated me in ways that some days my head explodes, and I love every minute of it. So I'll leave you with this. Don't just feel special. Be special. Because if you just feel special, you will never be special. Emotions come, emotions go, people steal them, they don't give them back. So be special. Every day get up and say, I am special. Don't say, I feel special. The difference between who you are and who you want to be is what you do. So if you want to be somebody different next week, then you need to start changing what you do today. If not, then you'll never be anybody different. And that goes along with if you want to achieve greatness, please stop asking permission because Jane and I both will tell you, if you ask other people for permission to be great, they will never give it to you. That is why my theme song is I just want to thank everyone for telling me no because they did not give me permission to be great. In fact, they did just the opposite. So thank you all for telling me. Not you all, not my audience, not my guests, but thank all of those people in my life that told me no down through the years. Your smile is your logo. Your personality is your business card. And how you leave others feeling after having that experience with you, ladies and gentlemen, trust me when I tell you it is your trademark. People will forget what you look like. They will forget your name. They will forget what you're wearing. But I can promise you this. They will never, ever, ever forget how you made them feel. And we're all traveling a journey. No one can travel that journey with us. They can travel the journey by our side, but they will never experience what we experience because no two experiences are the same. So how you make someone else feel will leave 
lasting impression on them for the rest of their life. And I hope that Jane and I have made your night a wonderful experience. And, yes, she will be coming back because not only do I love her accent, but I love her history. She is absolutely an amazing woman. And I appreciate you, Jane, so, so much, and I can't wait for you to come back. Thank you, my daughter. Well, thank you for your compliments, um, Yvonne. They they mean a lot. Um, It's been absolutely wonderful chatting with you again, and I would love to come back. Well, you know, if you're in Sarasota, you need to look me up, and we need to do that lunch date. (laughs) Absolutely. So on that note, ladies and gentlemen, this is your host, Yvonne Mason, and my guest, author Jane Jordan, and we say good night. Good night. We're now we're now off the air, my darling. And what I'll do once this goes up into archives, I will tag you in the in the tag on my Facebook, and then tomorrow I'll put it up on all those other podcasts and tag you in the links, and you know what to do. Just take it and run with Absolutely. it. Absolutely, I will do. <laughs> well, all thank right, you. And, it's been a pleasure I'll get you talking back. with you. Oh, it's it's always wonderful talking to you. I learned so much from you. So oh, much, well, that's good. <laughs> I do so much English history. I love it. So I'll get you back on in the fall, and okay. we'll see where you are, and hopefully the new book will be out so I can read it because it sounds dark and mysterious and sinister, and New Orleans is one of my favorite cities. Okay. That sounds sounds great. All right, sweetheart. Go with All right. You have a great you. evening, Yvonne. You too, sweetheart. Talk to you later. Okay. Okay. Good night. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.